I was reading the scriptures and I, uh, recently and I saw uh, earlier this year and I saw where the enemy had just taken so many people captive. And I realized that some, of, some br good brothers and sisters were taken captive. And what if we were in a shooting war and some of us were taken captive? Would we go and shoot them because they were taken captive? Would we hurt them because they were taken captive? No. And so I've decided I'm not going to be so radical about people who have been taken captive. We have brothers and sisters who really love Jesus but just messed up. And so why do we, if we're going to give them a chance to be all right again, let's give those people who have been taken captive by various religions and, and philosophies, let's love them and care about them. And uh, that's somewhat about, uh, about my message today. I want to talk to you about can I be like Jesus part two. And um, I don't want to talk to you about why I'm sitting. And so uh, if you want to ask, uh, ask one of the ushers, they'll tell you. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk to you about can I be like Jesus. That should be a question that we all ask. Can I be like Jesus? I hear a lot of people saying things like, well, I'm not Jesus. I've heard that. Well, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not God. You may think, what a crazy, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'll talk about those inclusions in these beautiful diamonds later. <laughs> that was one of those inclusions that's in the, but I'm thinking, what an uninformed thing to say. You're uninformed when you say that because, because God has done something in the believer that is totally different than, than what he has done in those unbelievers. See, see, God will do things if you believe, but the unbelievers are still held captive by the enemy. And so I want to talk to you uh, briefly. Can I be like Jesus? Uh, the question, that's the question that we often ask. Can I be like Jesus? And people think, no, I can't be like Jesus. They think, well, I'm, I'm human. Well, that's a deplorable state to stay in uh, uh, like you were born. We, we were all born sinners, but God has given us a way out of that. You don't have to stay a rotten sinner, you know, like doing things uh, that you can't seem to control. Now that you've been with the Lord, you know, uh, you know, five, ten years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and you're just like you used to be, you need some help. You need some help from the scriptures. You need some help from the Holy Spirit. You need to help some help from Christian fellowship because there's no way that we ought to be the same as we were 30 years ago or even 20 years ago or, or, or 10 years ago, and you still can't control yourself? You know, I, 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 you know Lord, help us. So, so, so we ask him if we be like Jesus. The answer is a resounding, yeah, absolutely. We can be like Jesus. I mean, come on, we can be like Jesus. Yeah. And uh, one way you can be like Jesus is stop making excuses for your sin. Amen. You know, when you stop making excuses for your sin, then Jesus will help you. All right? Now, I, th I didn't look around and when, when uh, Reverend Rochelle was, uh, I'm, preach I'm preaching over here. So when she was asking about first-time guests, I didn't look around. But if you're a first-time guest, I'm usually a lot nicer than I am today. <laughs> but what does being like Jesus involve? We have to ask ourselves the question. What does that involve? So let me give you some information. We often want to be like Jesus in victory, 
but not in suffering. We hate suffering. I don't like suffering. So I'm not telling you that if you hate suffering, uh, you know, that you're a horrible person or I need to get to sit down and let one of you come preach. But I hate suffering, but I go through it. And, and I've resolved to go through it well. All right? So we want to be like Jesus in victory, but not in suffering. We just want to have all the cake, and, the inst- and, and we want to eat it too. And so Jesus' victory always came during or after suffering. Jesus had victory in suffering and after suffering. So there's a victory in suffering that you and I will never achieve, never realize, that realize that is to apprehend it, doesn't mean to have mental assent, but to realize, realizar, aprender, those words. You know, in Spanish, they give you a different connotation, understanding of it. And so uh, Jesus' victories always came in and after, in and after, during and after. So you can have a victory during suffering. We don't, the relief coming is wonderful, but the relief is all, not always the pinnacle. You know, the, the pinnacle is I was walking through this horrible thing with joy. That's amazing. You have that as a gift from God because we are born again believers. And he says, Jesus uh, lived his lived a life totally dedicated to the will of God the Father. And so as believers in Christ, as Christians, we too, if we want victory, we must live a life totally dedicated to God through Jesus Christ. He lived a life totally dedicated to the will of God. Now, I have to ask you, and don't say anything if you, you know, I'm not asking you to expose yourself, but are you living a life dedicated to the will of God. And so that's the question. Sometimes we want to give God various aspects of our lives, but we don't want to give him our life in totality. So let's give him our life in totality. Let's stop being the way we are. And let's stop wanting others to change while we remain the same. All right? We have the power to do that. So we have the power to do that. Let me tell you, even if I repeat it again, the power comes from my faith in God and the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit in you is not theoretical. He is real and actual. He is real and actual. And uh, if I say it again, let me say it again. But when, when we invited, we repented of our sins and said to Jesus, come into my heart. You know, I, I don't like the expression come into my life, because, but I understand the expression. But I prefer come into my heart and become my life. And, and I think that that nuance is amazing. That little slight difference is amazing. Because when we ask him to come into our life, I don't think we understand. I know what we're trying to say. We, we're just saying come, come into all that I've got going on maybe. But I don't want him necessarily to come into what i got going on. I want him to come into my life and deal with what's going on. <laughs> That's me. That's just how I am. And I believe this will help us. Jesus walked in lockstep with the Father's will. Jesus never lived solely for himself. He never did that. He never, ever did that. Can you imagine this man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
the only begotten of God the Father at one juncture because he is not the only begotten now. He is the first begotten now. But when he came, he was the only begotten of the Father and he was full of grace and truth, lived his entire life for the will of another. Can you imagine that? Lived his entire life for the will of another. And this is what God wants us now to do. If you're like Jesus, then you're going to live your life for the will of another. You're going to live your life for the will of God. Is it, and it, we still have takers? All right, we still have takers. So live your life for the will of God, the will of another. The will of God took Jesus to the cross, and it'll take you to the cross too. Yeah, the will of God took Jesus to the cross. Jesus knew that by following the Father's will, he was going to go to a cruel cross. He was going to take on the sin of the whole world. I'm not really sure, and some of you who are better Bible scholars than I may be able to help me with this, but I am not really sure that Jesus knew every single aspect of the cross. He, now, he knew it was going to betray him. He knew he was going to betray him. He knew those. He knew who uh, he had called and selected. He knew those things. But the, the Garden of Gethsemane gives me pause, and I think that, that because he looks and he, 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 he wait a minute, Father, <laughs> is, is, is this your will? I, I want this cup to pass because he must have seen something there. And you and I will have, too, those moments when God has been giving you words of knowledge for people and words of wisdom for people and prophetic utterances. But then you come, God, what about this? But what did Jesus do? He says, not what I want is what you want. And this is a place that every believer must come to. Not what I want, but what you want. And so so this is uh, Jesus uh, following the will of God took Jesus to the cross. So following the will of God will take you into suffering. And sometimes it's not like a, a momentary suffering. And now listen, if, if, if that statement sort of repels you, don't let yourself be repelled. Just hold down. You know, you may want to hold the bottom of the seat. But, but hold something, you know, as we used to say back in the country. Hold your horses, you know. So, so hold. Don't run away. Don't run away because some people in here have not just had a momentary suffering or a week of suffering or a month of suffering. They've had a lifetime of suffering. You know, some of you, and some of you would surprise us. You, you, God has led you into a lifetime of suffering, and you have prayed for change, but your change hasn't come. But you have victory, and that is an amazing victory in the midst of it. Amen. So the, the, uh, how does one live for the will of God? How does one live? I said Jesus, living for the will of God, took him to the cross. So how does one live for the will of God? One lives for the will of God by yielding himself or herself to daily death. That's how you do it. You have to do it daily. You can't do it like once in a while because you you don't understand the reality of it. So every day you have to die to something. You have to die to something. Paul says, I die daily. I know we laugh at some, uh, one of, of our brothers who say who, is, who is, has white head. He's white-headed, and, but if you see him, he's black-headed. He's got all black hair. And he said, oh, don't worry. I die daily. <laughs> uh, we, we laugh about that. But, you know, when you start to die, you have to bite your tongue. You have to suck it in. Sometimes we get tired of dying daily. 
But that is the only way for us to yield ourselves to the will of God. We must do it daily, not every other day. Paul says, I die daily. We must live every day dying to ourselves uh, or, and or dying to the will of others. Sometimes you have to die to what other people expect of you and want of you. You have to die to that and be who God made you. And, and don't be a victim of what others are thinking or wanting from you. We must live every day dying to ourselves and dying to the will of others. The, uh, the, when you die daily, and what I'm saying, that means dying also to your own will. The things that you want, the things that you think you deserve. That's one of those uh, statements that I cannot stand. I deserve it. I'm thinking, what do you deserve? You really? You, you deserve the millions of dollars in the bank and a life free of, of difficulty? Oh, you deserve that? You deserve every day when you go home, everything to be sweet and nice, and the food is always on the table, and the house is better. You know, you, you deserve that? No, we deserve death, honestly. Not the death I've just spoken of. We deserve a, an eternal death. But God looked upon us and was merciful. Yeah. And so I, as I, I want to share this message because for, for me, being like Jesus is the answer to changing all the things in the world. Oh, we, we are not going to change all the things in the world, but we can change the things that we can. There are things that, that are destined to be changed, and we can change them. Yeah, there will be people in hell. I don't want the people to be in hell, but there will be people in hell. Why? Because they don't want what, what God is and who God is and, and what God has to offer. They don't want that. And I love the idea that when people go to hell, they're not going to go to hell because God somehow is angry and mad and all that. They're going to go to hell because God gave them what they asked him for. God is not a mean God. He's, a, he's amazing. You know why I know, I know God's not mean? And you ought to know God's not mean? He saved you. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, my, my heart is to go to others and be a blessing to people who don't care for me. Now, now frankly, let me tell you something. I don't want you to think that it's easy for me. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for me to go to somebody and I know they've slandered me. They've slandered me through the city or, or outside, and I know they've slandered me. And it's not easy for me to say, when they say, oh, brother, don't. don't say you know, I want to do that. But you can't do that. You can't do that. Why? Because you and I were in the same place at one juncture. We may not have slandered somebody, but we sure were living outside the ark of safety. So look here. So die to your own wants. Die to your own desires. Die to your own perspectives and other such things. Have you ever thought about it that your point of view may not be correct? Have you ever thought about that? Listen, you'll find if you keep on living that you have some viewpoints that are not all that. You may have thought at one point that they were just right on, but that you found out later they weren't. So give somebody some slack when they have a wrong point of view. Have you ever stopped and asked God, rather than living a life that you want, ask God, Lord, what do you want of me? You ever, I do that periodically, you know, almost daily. Lord, what do you want? Am I doing what you want? Uh, am I pretending to do what you want? Jesus, help me to do what you want. I always do that. I will tell the Lord, 
boastfully almost, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me. Then I say, help me. Yeah, help me. Because I want to please the Lord. Jesus lived his entire life uh, pleasing God. He lived his entire life for the will of another. He says, I always do those things that please him. Wow. Wow. We can have that. Why? Because we have the spirit of Jesus living in us. Come on, you say, well, that's impossible. I was telling the first service that I, I remember one time I was in a jeweler's um, shop. I think I may have been buying a, a, a ring. I think that may have been it. And he was looking at, at the ring with that little loop. I don't know, it was a 10-power loop or something like that. He was looking at it. I said, hey, could I look at, at it through there? And he said, yeah. And I looked in there, and that diamond was so beautiful, so beautiful. But when I looked at it, I saw those little black spots. I'm thinking, man, I don't want it if it's got those little black spots. He said, they all have those black spots. He said, it's rare, rare. He said, if you see something with absolutely zilch, he said, it's probably counterfeit. So I'm looking out as a beautiful bunch of believers, saved, sanctified, set apart, filled with the Spirit of God, on their way to heaven, and nobody can stop it. And there's little spots in there. Beautiful diamond. Y'all look so good out there. Little, little spots in there. Now, some of you got a lot of spots. Ayudanos, no, Señor. Help us, Lord. Yeah, but, but you don't want a lot of them in there. You know, you, you mess up every day and think it's all right. But, but, but those little things mean that sometimes you don't measure up. Sometimes when you want to do the right thing and the best thing, you still falter. It happens. It happens to all of us. It happens. Lord, I'm going to be better today. I'm going to be better. And then I say, help me, Lord. Because I know the last time I said, I'm going to be better today. It was one of my bad, worst days. So I said, I'm going to be better today. Help me, Lord. And, and that helps you to become more like Jesus. Come on, it helps you to be more like Jesus. And so, so Jesus lived every day beseeching the Lord, God the Father, for his help. This is amazing to say that. I know you may have thought that Jesus lived every day just on his own. He never did. This is one of the most astounding things about knowing the Lord deeper, and you get, you get to know the Lord deeper and deeper, and you can do that by sacrifice. You'll learn the Lord deeper and deeper by sacrifice, by yielding some things that you thought you earned or deserved. And as I get to know the Lord deeper and deeper, I realize so much more about him. It's almost, I ask, almost, I'm almost asking the Lord, give me more years. You know, well, I do ask him for that, but I was thinking about maybe 50 more. I used to pray, Lord, I want to see my children get grown. And I just, I just let me live and see my children. My children got grown. I said, Lord, I want to see my grandchildren get grown. And now if I have some greetings, I say, Lord, let me see those great-grandchildren. That's the way we are. But Jesus, before he came to the earth, he was with, in the bosom of the Father. He was omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing omnipresent, everywhere. Can you, you and I don't have any concept of being everywhere. It, it, it's just not even there. There's nobody, I believe, in this building who has the, the idea of 
being everywhere at once. But that's what Jesus did. And Jesus gave all that up to save us. He gave all that up to save us. Give up that thing that you think is your greatest asset. Give it up to be like Jesus. And, and, and not only that, Jesus then had to find the will of God through prayer. Jesus found the will of God through praying and beseeching God the Father, talking to God the Father, and that's how he walked out the will of God. He didn't do it because he was omniscient. He was not. Yes, he did know who was going to betray him. He knew those disciples, but he didn't know everything because there was a cup he had to drink. Let this cup pass. He gave up everything, even his union with God the Father, his perfect union with God the Father. He had to be separate. And there may be some debate on that, but I think I can win the debate. He had to be separate. You say, well, yes, God was there at the cross. We know that God was there. How do we know God was there? Because, because uh, people were beating their breasts. Whew. Whew. You know, um, a, 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 a guilty sinner was saying, remember me when, when you come. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We know God was there. But Jesus is saying, Ile, Ile, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he couldn't feel him. He couldn't feel him. But in faith, he knew he was there. But he couldn't feel him. He couldn't access him, as it were. Why? Because he, God could not have fellowship with sin. God could not have fellowship with sin. No matter how you slice that, God cannot have fellowship with sin. You cannot fellowship with what you are unlike. So God can't fellowship with what he is unlike. He can minister to it. He can speak over it. We can't fellowship. And you and I cannot fellowship. See, from God to us, he can't fellowship with what he's unlike. To us, God really, we can't fellowship with what we are unlike. So God has made us like Jesus by giving us the Holy Spirit. Wow, God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Hey, somebody ought to shout for the Lord. Hallelujah. He has brought us into the fellowship of his Son. And what God has done, I know we hear about the Holy Trinity and the Trinity, but God has brought us man, man. Look at yourself. You know, we're not all that. You may look in the mirror and be a, do a funsy, but you're not all that. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know who funsy is? You know, he thought he was good looking. Look at the mirror. I don't have to touch anything. But this is what I'm saying. God has done some great things for us, and he has brought us to a place now to where we have real and actual fellowship with God. There's exchange with God, and with God the Father, with God the Son, listen, and the Holy Spirit. That's why the writer said, and I said it I think last week or so, what is man that you are mindful of him? That's what this angel testified. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and put him over the works of your hand. Man, I want you to really chew on that. Really chew on that. Chew on that. You've put him over the works of your hands. And so I'm looking at people out here 
who one day, and I don't believe it's going to be a long way off, that you're going to take your position in God. Who's, God, you're going to take a position in God. <clears throat> it's like the angels are going to say, I've been waiting on you to get here. Uh, this has been your position since the, from the foundation of the world. And you are now going to take those positions because God says, what is it, this thing called man, that you are mindful of him or the son of man, that you visit him? You have, you, you, you have made him a little lower than the angels. That is for suffering of death. He said, but you've crowned him with glory and honor. Put him over the works of your hand. You've put him over the universe. Can I be like Jesus? Yes, I can be like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So can I be like Jesus? It's not just a philosophical question. It's a life-determining question. I want, I want to raise our level here. I want to raise our thinking here. I want to raise our faith here. So the, 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 this question, can I be like Jesus, directs all that we do. That is all of our conduct, all our lifestyle. It directs it. I mean, there were times in my life when I did things, I'd feel bad a while and I didn't feel bad anymore. So now I do the slightest thing and I feel horrible. Sometimes I have to go be alone. I said, oh, I just said something. Or I had a look or I had a thought. Many of us want to be like Jesus without suffering as I've forestated, without saying, not my will but yours. That's the Christian life, a life of suffering and a life of not not my will, but yours. Let me tell you about suffering. I know I'm not teaching blessed suffering. I do not teach blessed suffering. But Paul teaches us, the Word of God says, those of us who suffer with him will reign with him. This is about suffering. You have to suffer ungodly neighbors. You have to suffer uneventful things. We all suffer them. But God's saying, you can be like me. You can be like Jesus who suffered, not for his own sin, but for ours. He suffered for our sins. And some of you are not suffering for somebody's sin, but you've suffered through their sins. You've suffered through their sins. But Jesus suffered for them. He was on the cross all day from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And he could not die though the suffering was what we would call excruciating. I said I would never use that suffering, that word again to describe my pain. Boy, that was excruciating. No, it wasn't. It was bad, but it wasn't excruciating. Excruciating has a, has a definition out of the cross. We don't know what excruciating pain is, but Jesus knows what excruciating pain is. Unbearable suffering, for what, not for what he did, but for what we have done. We've come to the kingdom through suffering, through his suffering. I'm telling you, this is a great life we have. It's a great life. I want to know I'm, I'm intense, but I'm not angry about it. I want us to give Jesus what he wants. Because I now have Jesus' spirit living with me, within me in this human body. I say his spirit must, through my cooperation, direct every one of my actions. 
His Spirit shouldn't force me, but should direct every one of my actions. What about you? You the same? Some of y'all not saying anything. Now, this is coming almost to where I needed to come to. This time period in which we are living, this time period in our salvific history, our, the history of our salvation, our redemption, our deliverance from sin, this time period is very pivotal. It's very pivotal, and, and I want us to grasp how pivotal it is. We're not going to get do-overs when this life is over. And so I want us to all walk together. And don't be upset because you have to suffer. We all suffer. I've seen some of us go through terrible suffering. You come out more beautiful than you went in. And I believe the angels see it. Do you want to be like Jesus in his glory while rejecting the inglorious aspects of his, of his life? The inglorious is as much a part of who Jesus is as the glorious. Can you imagine Jesus when he visited Nazareth, his hometown? His former neighbors tried to kill him. He, they tried to kill him for quoting their scriptures. The scriptures that they said were a part of them, that they had gotten from Yahweh. They tried to kill him for quoting the scripture. He just told them that there were many widows in Israel, but to none of them was the prophet Elijah sent except to the woman of Zarephath. There were many lepers in Israel, but to none of them, none of them were cleansed except a Syrian, a foreigner, somebody who hated them, named Naaman. And they took him to the brow of the hill to throw him off, took him, grabbed him, and took him there, and was going to throw him off. But by the power of God, it shut down, and he walked right through the midst of them. And that's how it is with our suffering. But a lot of times, we've not gone far enough. We're pulling out the 357 before, or throwing the fisticuffs before. Let's wait on the Lord. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen you. John talks about Jesus in John 1, verse 1. He says, he came to his own, in verse 11 I said, verse, chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and listen, ESV, and his own people did not receive him. He came to his own, but his own people didn't want him. His own people wouldn't receive him. I've said to you many times, in your walk with Jesus, if you've not made your own race, your own family mad at you, you probably haven't gone far enough. I mean, in your walk with Jesus, in your, the positions you take in the world. Some people ask me sometimes, what's wrong with you, man? God has given you a platform. You could do this and you could do that. I said, My platform is not for, for black people, white people, brown people, red people, yellow people. My platform is for Jesus. Yeah. And I dare not do anything that he doesn't want. He is the one who saved me, not my people. He saved me. He saved you. Let us dedicate ourselves to him. If y'all want to hear more of this, you're going to have to come back to church another time. 
But there's much I'd like to say to you. But let us walk with Jesus. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But, but to those who received them, to them, to you, he gave the authority, the power to become sons of God who have the very spirit of the almighty God. You have everlasting life right now in your frame. Let us walk like people who are not arguing over these little local lots. Let's act like people who inherit the universe. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32, fear not little flock, you. Fear not little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not to give you a temporary existence here. Not give you a little block or a lot. Not to give you what you want here, but to give you the whole thing. Can I say it like that? To give you the whole thing. That's what God has for you. So, Father, I bless this house. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for each one. I thank you for your love and care. And though weeping endures for the night, we know that joy comes in the morning. In the name of Jesus, I'll be back in the morning.